Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth, in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon, comma, one each. Today is Tuesday. It is August 1st, the year of our Lord, 2017, already. Where the hell did the rest of the year go, the preceding year? It's like I woke up, hello, it's January 1st, Happy New Year, 
Now it's August 1st. I repeat, at the risk of being repetitive from the Department of De Redundancy Department, what the hell? Where'd the year go? In any event, belly up to the bar. We've kept your seat and it's great to see you back. Fluffy's going to be our bartender tonight. He pours with the rest of them and the lava lamp is not lighted because YouTube is not on. It doesn't like my phone calls. And I've got some phone calls tonight, folks. Got a special guest coming up. Then at the bottom of the hour, I'm going to have Carrie Baxter Donovan. And uh, it's going to be bulbous. It'll be great. I can tell. Just you wait. And oh, what heights we'll hit. On with the show. This is it. In any event, we don't water our drinks just like we don't water our conversation. Politics, religion, crime, culture, economics, race, sex, science, law. We talk about it all here at the Saloon. Nothing is sacred. The <sighs> oh, speech is free. But the booze is not all we ask is that you flush the toilet, jiggle the handle, and don't forget to tip your waitress. Wow. Already, tell you what, already in the uh, phone call, in the land of phone calls, we have none other than the High Plains pundit himself, Dan Butcher. How are you doing, Dan? Good evening to you, sir. Well, good evening, BZ. I was wondering if you were going to take a breath during your intro. <laughs> well, that's what the hell. That's, that's what I do. It's and it is, it is something of a long intro, isn't it? But you know, it's it's gotten to the point where I can actually memorize that now and produce it by rote. Exactly. Which for me is an amazing thing, since I'm well, I'm advanced in my age, and uh, don't ask me what I had for breakfast this morning. Damn you know it! I've been. You know, I've been doing the same intro on my show for over eight years. And, you know, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. <laughs> it's the way I feel about it. Well, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm very lucky insofar as I got some people to record my intro music. And uh, it's a group called Possessed Tranquility. And I sent them an email, a couple of emails, and I said, dudes and dudettes, because there's some chicks in it, too. I said, hey, I got to get you on the show. It's a great song. I worked with them over a month to do that song. It's about three minutes. And so it's completely original music just for this show. And I can't find them. It's like, okay, let's do a, sh let's do a song for BZ, and then let's disappear off the damn face of the earth, which is about what they did. So at least I should consider myself lucky I got the damn song. Well, I, you know, I, I, I have the same thing. You know, over eight years ago, I had a friend of mine that did the intro and bumper music for my show. And, uh, you know, it stood the test of time. I, I continue to use it to this day. And, and uh, you know, I'll never, I, you know, it fits me perfectly. You know, it's a rocking theme. It fits my personality. You know, and it kind of sets the stage for the show. And, and, uh, and it, you know, sometimes it surprises. <laughs> It'll surprise some of my guests a few times because a lot of people see me, uh, hard to believe, but some people see me kind of laid back. And then they come onto the show, they're like, whoa, this is kind of crazy. <laughs> Dan, I, I hope you're not offended by this, but you remind me of one of my former partners when I was in robbery. I don't mind saying his name because he's retired for quite some time. His name was Dan Minta, and Dan would do this. He, he was, 
Maybe you've known this. Dan, maybe you've known somebody like this. Maybe somebody in chat has known somebody like this. Somebody that's listening live and in podcast. Thank you for doing all those things. Have you ever met someone who just walks right up to you and violates the hell out of your space? He could never have a conversation with anyone unless he was about anywhere from eight inches to a foot from your face. He didn't do it intentionally, but it crept me out. It was creepy. Every time he'd talk to me, I'd always try to make sure that at least my desk was between he and me when I talked to him. And then here's, here's the point. The point was Dan Minter was like a ferret on crank. Dan Minter had two speeds on and off. And when he was awake, he was on. That's it. Period. End of statement. You probably get as much done in one day as Dan got in one day. Maybe the names are synonymous with that. <laughs> so so what you're saying is you're glad that there is a couple of time zones between us. <laughs> No, actually, actually not. Here's the funny thing. I've been, I know, I've been, I'm, I've been, I'm messing with you, buddy. No, I know that. But, but you just tweaked a button in my brain, and that's this. I was watching Tucker Carlson tonight, and he had uh-huh. some, some schlub on from California Secede, whatever the hell it is. California obviously oh, wants God. to secede. Yeah, I know. And they have to get 585,000 signatures for it to be put on the ballot next year in November. Uh, Truly, Dan, I do think they're going to be able to get that amount. But immediately that made me think, oh, God, I I know i got to get out of here, but my wife still works and she likes her job, blah, blah, blah. And and in the meantime, OBZ, sweat is dripping down my brow when I think about this all the time. It's so evil and it's so bad that the sweat rolls down my back and into my ass crack. It's so terrible. And one of the things I was thinking is, you know, I love Texas. Texas would be a great place to go, with two exceptions. I've got melanoma, so I can't be out in the sun, and it's hot as hell, and it's humid as hell. Except for those things, I'd love to go to Texas. Well, you know, we actually have places in Texas. This this is the beautiful thing about Texas, is a lot of people don't know that, you know, that the highest peak, we actually have mountains here in Texas. We have mountains in Texas. And our highest peak here is Guadalupe Peak, Guadalupe Mountain. It's over 8,000 feet tall. Of course, it's heading into the mountains, into the Rocky Mountains. That's the start of the Guadalupe Mountains that feed into the Rocky Mountains, heading up to New Mexico and Colorado. And you go, we have the high plains, and then you, you then you head into you know the the beautiful coastal areas. Then you head into when you start getting into East Texas, the the, the beautiful woodlands. You know, some of the most beautiful woodland country you have ever seen. Uh, we actually you have real rivers here <laughs> other states some people think that texas is you know one big cattle ranch <laughs> a lot oh. of times oh come uh, on no it- water we have such a wide variety of scenery here uh, much like what california has you know california uh, that's the one thing about california it's a beautiful state it's a wide variety uh, of different things in the state it's just for all the crazy ass liberals and progressives that live there <laughs> that are trying to destroy the state and you know i, I tell you what you never once while we have this, you know, the secession movement, you know, tweak its ugly head here in Texas, and, and, and they start talking big, and then when they realize, hey, you know what, that's, that's not really legal, that really can't take place, so that's not really in the Texas Constitution, you know, they, they kind of back off and stuff like that, and, you know, and here's the thing about the secession movement in, in California, you know, more than likely it'll get on the ballot. 
You know, yep. and who knows? It, there, there might be some people that vote for it. It might, it might pass. It'll never see the light of day. Uh, it'll, it'll, face, it'll face so many court challenges. It'll go to the Supreme Court of the United States, who will say no. Uh, these type of things, uh, they never, never materialize. It's fun to talk about them. It's, it's fun to, you know, to, to fantasize about California becoming its own country. I think there's a bigger reality of California someday dividing into five separate states uh, because you know there's such a there, there's such a big divide between the progressives and, and people don't understand that you know even in California just like New York and, and some other liberal states that the, the, the majority of the states actually are still conservative but they're controlled by the big progressive population centers aka Los Angeles Sacramento etc 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 and so there's a there's a there's an underlying movement in these secession movements that could lead to the eventual breakup of California into separate states and I think that that's more of a real possibility than anything. <clears throat> you know, I, I appreciate your, your promoting Texas, but I, I think I have to correct you on a few issues. When you mentioned 8,000, I think you added a zero. The tallest peak in Texas is 800 feet. You have lots of rivers. They primarily consist of rattlesnakes. In fact, I heard there's a river <laughs> that has so many rattlesnakes that with the appropriate boots and a one-inch Kevlar pair of pants and boots that you can walk from the river edge over 500 feet to the other river edge without it's all rattlesnakes it's rattlesnakes are us they come from everywhere just to live in texas okay dan isn't that the truth <laughs> no <laughs> Hey, let me let me tell you about Texas, and this is and, and, and just to correct the actual elevation of Guadalupe Peaks, eighty seven hundred and fifty one feet. Now, okay. but here here's the here's the truth about Texas, and this is what sets Texas apart from so many other states. Is you know people are not loyal to their states like Texas. Uh, you know maybe a state such as Montana uh, might, Alaska is another state that is fiercely loyal to their state. But but Texas is really unique because, you know, when you ask somebody that's from Texas, they will tell you they're a Texan first, then they're an American. And and there's such a pride going back to when Texas was its own country. Uh and then of course becoming uh, joining the Union, uh becoming part of the United States of America. But that but that underlying loyalty to Texas is something that's here. And it's and it's not just something for for people that are born and raised here their entire lives, uh, over a period of time, people that move here, uh, they start to, they, they quickly find out that, man, we adopt people. You become an honorary Texan uh, when you come here because uh, the people are friendly and, uh, and they're so outgoing. And, uh, and then once you become a Texan yourself, no matter if you were born in California, if you were born in Georgia, you were born, well, we'll throw Oklahoma away. That's a whole different story. But, <laughs> but, you know, but, but Texans, they have such a 
fierce loyalty uh, to the state uh, that sets it apart from any other state in the union. Uh, and people, a lot of people are flabbergasted sometimes uh, when they do meet. You know, I've been to a lot of national conventions, uh, you know, doing different things, and 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 then we start talking about Texas. You know, they're, they 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 really do think you'd be surprised. A lot of people do think that Texas is is, is such a foreign country. And but it is. It's so unique uh, versus a lot of the other states in the union. Well, here's the deal. Here's what I do know: Texans pick their teeth with rattlesnakes. I know that for a fact. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. You would love this. In chat, Melanie Collette. By the way, thanks to everybody in chat. Uh, thanks to uh, you for being in chat. Thanks to Mike being in chat. Melanie being in chat. Mary Brockman. Mary Brockman being in chat. Jazzy Joe in chat. Dave Miller in chat. Melanie Collette in chat. Melanie Collette. <laughs> Jersey Joe says, I am scared shitless of snakes. And then Mel- <laughs> Melanie Colette says, does any Texan ever have a bad word to say about living there? And, and yeah. Mary Brockman says, well, that's... Mary yeah. Brockman says, yeah, that's, that's yeah. too bad, Joe. Snakes eat bugs. And Dave says, I was born in Texas. I love the people of Texas. It's just too damn hot and humid, as Mark says. But his- well, let me tell you about the let me tell you about the weather where I live. Uh, this is and this is no joke. And I, I live in the Texas Panhandle, um, which is and uh, which would really truly be North Texas if you want to get down to it. But but they consider us, uh, you know, they consider us West Texas. Uh, you can consider us uh, the High Plains of Texas, thus the High Plains pundit. Right. Uh, but here's the unique thing about where I live is in the summertime, it can get up to 110 degrees. Or you can have a day today where the high was 80 degrees. Uh, in the wintertime, uh, uh, it, you know, once or twice a year, it's not uncommon for us to have a, a, a two-foot snowfall. Uh, we do get a lot of snow here during the wintertime. Our, our blizzards are notorious. Uh, it can, da- you know, it can get down to, you know, uh, minus 10, uh, minus 15 degrees here, uh, lower than that with the wind chill. And then in the spring and, and fall times is some of the most beautiful weather uh, you will ever see in your lives. I, I'm fortunate. I live, I literally live 10 minutes from a place known as Paladero Canyon. And I know that'll, I know that'll, uh, I know Dave Milner will be familiar with Paladero Canyon, but Paladero Canyon is actually the second largest canyon uh, in the country uh, behind the Grand Canyon. And here it is in my own backyard. It's been the most beautiful uh, country, you know, not only not only in our own country, but the world. And this is something that's 10 minutes from my own home uh, where I live. And, uh, but, you know, we get the extreme of everything. We get the extreme winter weather. We get the extreme heat. Uh, and then, of course, we get some of what, I, you know, some of the most beautiful weather uh, that you will ever see. Uh, you know, for, you know in, in the fall time, the weather we have here is pretty comparable to what you see in Colorado. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, so you, you, get the, you get the extremes. I, I'll tell you this. I, I'm, I've always said that there is no way in hell I ever could have been a pioneer uh, because the people that settled this part of the country were some tough birds. Uh, <laughs> and I'm glad that they did it before me uh, because, you know, because, you know, in the early days, it had to have been just hell 
absolutely a living hell uh, for a lot of people that first came here and settled the area. But what they've turned it into is absolutely phenomenal. Folks, I want to remind you that you're listening to Texas Chat and Snake Chat with Dan Butcher of the (laughs) HP Pundit Radio. Because I want to tell you, Dan, in in the chat room right now, it has turned into a snake meme, definitely. Uh, Dave Milner said, Joe, it beats a a friggin' coral snake. I'm about as scared as those suckers I am of water moccasins. Melanie says, a snake anywhere in my eyesight is dead. No matter what happens to it. No matter what happens to it. Dave Milner says, moccasins will chase you to bite you. Very territorial. And then he also says, they'll take a taxi from the curb, go to your house, knock on your door, and kill you as it eats your throat. So it's snake chat. (laughs) It's snake chat all over. I'll tell you, you know, here, you know, a lot of people will say the only good snake is a dead snake. But, you know, actually, you know, where I live, you know, we have rattlesnakes. We do have uh, cottonmouths that live here, uh, which, of course, cottonmouths can, are, 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 a, are a water snake uh, that can, you know, be in the water. It can live on land, etc. Right. Those are right. the two main portion snakes. But we also have wonderful snakes called bull snakes. Uh, we have a lot of other snakes here that, that eat the rattlesnakes. But, so those are the kind we don't kill around yeah, but here. See, Anything that'll eat a poisonous snake, we don't kill. Here's Uh, the thing, though. In Texas, when you say it's a bull snake, it's bigger in Texas. And when you guys say a bull snake, you mean a snake that will eat a bull. That's what you mean when you say a bull snake. I'm talking about, I am talking about a snake that'll be on average length of anywhere from five to six feet. Five? <laughs> it's a pretty yes. good snake. 50 to 60 feet, weighing about 1,500 pounds, yes, and it will yes, yes. eat a bull. If oh you've ever seen God. the movie Anaconda, that was actually a That's bull, a bull snake, snake they it's used te- for the scenes in that <laughs> That's movie. Right. It's a Texas <laughs> bull Texas. snake, and it took them three weeks to corral that thing. I know that for exactly. a fact. You don't, you don't want to say that, but that's all right. I'll, I'll say it for you. You're right about Texas in one regard. Um, my dad was born in 1920 in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and his parents migrated to Texas, to Dallas, uh, maybe a three or four years uh, after he was born. As far as dad is concerned, was concerned, uh, he was a Texan. If you were to ask him where he was born, he would tell you Texan, Texas. Yep. Number one, I know that's a lie <laughs> because I just happened to know <laughs> my father. But he always claimed Texas. Uh, went to SMU, as, uh, graduated from SMU, if I'm not mistaken. And, of course, his team was the... Dallas Cowboys. So you're absolutely right about that. There's just something about Texas that people really latch on to. But you're starting to scare me these days. Texas is starting to scare me because you have Sally Hernandez. Oh, let me tell you something. <laughs> here's the, it, That's here's frightening. The thing. I, you know, I, I, I'll address this because you know, we have a lot of, you know, there's no thing. we have a lot of people moving to Texas from liberal states. Uh, but the, the majority of the people that are, that, are, that are moving here are looking for jobs. Uh, they are conservatives that are wanting to get away from, uh, you know, 
the calification of, of, of America. They want to get away from he- heavy taxation. They want to get away from uh, all the burdensome uh, regulations that are being put in place, all of the nonsense. And so those are the type of people that are coming. It's the progressives that are staying in, in California or the, or the folks like you that can't quite escape yet. Uh, you know, the ones that want to but can't quite get there. That, or there, there's the ones that are hoping, you know, hey, you know, maybe someday we can turn around and restore the, the days of Ronald Reagan back to California. Uh, you, know, there, there's folks, you know, there's folks like that that are holding out, holding out hope uh, for California, holding out hope for states like New York uh, and such. But we do have our pockets of insanity here in Texas, whether it is the uh, you know the Castro brothers, uh, Joaquin and Julian, uh, whose mother was the fa- one of the founders of the Raza. Uh, of course, we have we have Sheila Jackson Lee. <laughs> you know. Oh, good on you for that. You can keep her. You know, uh, Houston is a pretty is a very very progressive place. And then, you know, Dallas, Dallas can be progressive in parts, uh, but then you have Fort Worth that counterbalances, uh, you know, Tarrant County balances out uh, Dallas County. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of misconception as to whether or not Texas is going to turn a Democrat again. Uh, but here's what happened. You know, the, the, the Democrats have highly underestimated the type of folks that were moving to Texas. They their, demogra- their demographics showed, hey, we're going to be able to pick up votes. It's our voters that are moving to Texas. Hey, it's a, a lot of, you know, the, the, the Hispanic population is growing uh, in Texas. But what they didn't count on was how conservative the Hispanic population in Texas is. Very conservative here in the state of Texas. Uh, so a lot of people, they, they really miscalculated that. And so when you hear a lot of people, you know, it's taking, you know, hey, there's a chance and an opportunity uh, that Texas is going to, you know, turn blue again. Uh, you know, yeah, could that happen? Sure it could, uh, because we do have Austin. You know, we do have some high-population yeah. centers. But, <laughs> Austin, but when you look well, yeah. down at the breakdown of how the elected and, and, and the hold with the, the Republicans have on the state versus the amount of Republican voters here in the state actually increasing, uh, that's the thing. There's a, there's a greater divide. The amount of, of uh, Republican voters versus Democrat voters is a great divide. Uh, the, the Democrat voters are actually staying about even versus the Republican uh, voter base, which is increasing. That's a very key development that a lot of people don't talk about a lot. But the Democrat, the Democrats are staying about even. Uh, they're not losing anything, but they're not gaining any ground. But the Republicans are gaining some ground uh, in their voting base. And, you know, quite honestly, as long as the GOP doesn't, you know, screw it up, which there's a good possibility they can do that, oh. uh, because we have a lot of nonsense taking place in our state legislature right now, a lot of the same stuff that you're seeing taking place on Capitol Hill. So, you know, if the, if the Republicans do screw some things up, you know, some of those more, you know, uh, middle-of-the-road Republicans could go back to uh, being Democrat because you have the Democrats who are saying, hey, you know what, we're going to start funding uh, pro-life candidates. That's something that will appeal to the middle-of-the-road uh, Democrats, to the middle-of-the-road independents. We got about three minutes left to the bottom of the break, and I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. <clears throat> uh, the the first one was uh, wasn't a question; it was actually a statement. I 
loved it. I absolutely loved it when Rick Perry came to California and in Jerry Brown's face got right in his brain pan and said, hey, I think I'd like to steal some companies from you, California. And by God, he did. And then number two, yeah. <clears throat> I know that you, uh, you've you got a show coming up this Sunday, do you not? Now, your shows have changed, and I think people need to know that. So can you tell people what's changed and where you can be found? You bet. Let me, let me address a couple of things real quick on Rick Perry. Rick Perry does not get the credit that he deserves a lot of time for a lot of the uh, a lot of the things taking place in the state of Texas, a lot of the growth taking place in the state of Texas. People forget that he took over from George W. Bush. George W. Bush actually left the state of Texas in a very bad situation. Rick Perry led the way and fixed a lot of that stuff and led to the growth. And uh, Greg Abbott continues the policies of Rick Perry to this day as far as attracting new businesses, growth to the state of Texas. Now. Uh, we made the announcement today, Sean Lewis and I made the announcement today that my, that my show will come back. Uh, it will air on Fridays, Sundays, and Mondays. Uh, it will be produced by SHR Media. Uh, we will be on the air at 10 p.m. Central Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's just the standard time slot that my show has been in the majority of the time it's been on the air uh, for the last eight years. So we're going to continue with that. So uh, we're going to kind of do a little – officially, we will be back on Sunday. We will do a little test show on Friday just to have a little bit of fun, just to kind of just to kind of get the – kind of get everything back in sync. And we, we'll have a few surprises to throw at you. Uh, uh, with some folks and, and have a you know and uh, we have a we have a somebody that's going to make a special appearance uh, that I think everybody will enjoy and uh, will be my better half. So uh, everybody always looks forward to when cool. she comes on and because you know, we don't agree on everything and some of our arguments are legendary. <laughs> so that'll be a lot of fun. So we're really looking forward to that. Uh, and of course, we also made the announcement today that since we are going to be bringing about my radio show on a uh, on a full time basis, uh, we are we are shutting down High Plains Talk Radio. Uh, that's just a decision that we had to make uh, because I have to choose one or the other. I have to choose if I'm going to do my radio show or if I'm going to do High Plains Talk Radio. And so uh, we're going to funnel a lot of stuff over to SHR Media in that aspect and continue the growth there and continue my partnership with SHR Media and developing shows and such as that. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting changes coming up. We're real excited about it. And, uh, man, let me tell you what, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, tell you what, I agree. Uh, God bless you for that. So, so Sunday. Let's say I want to listen in on Sunday. Don't let's let's say I I will listen in on Sunday. So if I do want to listen to your show on Sunday, where do I go? What what website? You bet. Well, you're gonna to come to the same place you're listening to your show, man. Be on shrmedia.com. Uh, you can come and listen to the show. Uh, you can also listen to the show. Uh, of course, the main location for my show is going to be on highplacepundit.com. Okay. Um, and I, and if you want to listen to via the phone line, I suggest you call in because you know we we we're, we're very fortunate. We have a very large following. We're very blessed uh, with our audience, very loyal to us. Uh, our phone lines always fill up with people listening, uh, people wanting to call, call and, you know, and be on the air. So uh, Friday will probably be a complete two hours of open lines uh, on Friday. That's kind of what we're looking at. Uh, open up the lines and just let everybody talk. Just have a good time that way. 
I heard a nasty rumor, and I know you got to go, but the nasty rumor is this. I heard that the bloviating Zeppelin is a fairly decent interview. I don't know if that's true, but it's just something that I heard on down the line. Oh, you bet, man. Let me tell, let me tell you something. And, I, and this, is, this is the honest truth, is that, you know, one thing that's going to be, that's going to remain the same is on Sundays, we're going to, at least once a month on Sundays, maybe twice a month, we're going to do the roundtable shows, which are some of our more popular shows. And let me tell you something, BZ, every time you come on, it's always an absolute blast. It's an absolute blessing. And, and you're one of my favorite people to have on the air, uh, you know, when we do the roundtable. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to you joining us on those again as well. Well, thank you very much. Folks, we have been listening to none other than the High Plains pundit himself, Dan Butcher, media god that he is. And uh, so things have been moving over to the SHR Media Network. We are going to take a break, and then we'll be right back. Dan, thank you ever so kindly for being on the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon. Please, folks, don't go away. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Breaking news. According to the latest report coming out of SHR Media, a merchandise store to support both the Reaver of Common Sense and SHR Media has just been unleashed to the general public. Be forewarned that this site can be contagious and numerous items can be purchased to support the best news programming. Go to Reaver.one website and click on the store link to check out the merchandise. Hello, I'm Matt, a student at Hillsdale College. Here is Hillsdale President Larry Arne on the continuing relevance of the Constitution. Many argue today that the Constitution is outdated because it addresses problems peculiar to the 18th century. Some parts of the Constitution do read rather quaintly. Consider the adjunction against titles of nobility in Article 1, Section 9 of the Constitution. But is that so outdated? The purpose of the injunction is to prevent the government granting special privileges to some for partisan reasons. This strikes at the heart of the rule of law. The crony capitalism, so common today, is a place where the government bestows favors and tax dollars on some businesses to give them a leg up over others. This is exactly the kind of thing the Constitution was meant to prohibit. The Constitution is not so outdated after all. This Constitution Minute was brought to you by Hillsdale College. To join the national conversation on the Constitution, go to constitutionminute.com. Names are dark. The people misled by corrupt politicians, lied to by establishment media, and deceived by the false messages of Islam. A nation in confusion needs a guide. It needs a man with a cane. I'm Dave Milner. Join me on Spreaker, SHR Media, High Plains Talk Radio, Live Rebooting Liberty, and YouTube for a unique brand of commentary on the Unpleasant Blind Guy. Because truth is not always pleasant. In a world controlled by corrupt politicians. You got a business. That, you didn't build that. A team of ordinary men emerge from the ashes to give voice to the voiceless and hope to the hopeless. Sackhead Sean. Dude, I'm not saying Catholic stupid. Sackhead Clint. All good friends of ours usually show, show up drunk. drunk. Also starring Sako as the producer. I'm a little bit drunk, I'm a little bit drunk, cause I'm drinking, drinking, drinking. They are the 
The Sackheads Review Show. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific on shrmedia.com. Beware, the Jersey Takeover is here. Every Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can catch the Rework Common Sense Show, hosted by Jersey Joe, right here on shrmedia.com and hyphensdailynews.com. Only Jersey can deliver hell like no one else. So consider this your fair warning. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. In a world where insanity reigns supreme and safety pin manufacturers are running out of metal for the diapers of the leftists. It's comforting to know an ancient, fat, long-haired, bearded reprobate has your mind in mind. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California, and despite every attempt by the SHR Media Network to revoke his shameless contract, we return to the bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are, in fact, listening to the bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon live on the shrmedia.com. A lot of things happening to SHR Media. Uh, we were just speaking to Dan Butcher, who is the one and only High Plains Pundit. Uh, stop. Wait just a second. If you thought that there was buttery goodness involved tonight in the saloon, and of course, Mary Brockman's here. Uh, she's sitting in her very own chair, thanks to Melanie, Dave, a white mamba, one each, Mary Brockman, Mike, in chat. We went the extra step. No, sorry, I'm being modest. I went the extra step. And tonight secured for you and you alone. All those that are listening live, listening and monitoring chat and in podcast, I went to go secure the one and only East Coast political goddess who is known as none other than Carrie Baxter Donovan. And she's going to bless us with her presence. Oh, wait, that's her on the phone right now. Good evening, Carrie Baxter Donovan. <laughs> Good evening. Hello. That just cracks me up. What does? Well, I I so much appreciate that you call me the East Coast political goddess, but um, yeah, that's just that's fun. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Okay, all right. I always say this when I speak to people and I I talk to them. One of the first things I always say is, okay, what part of what I just told you is wrong? So I would say that to you. What part? of that introduction, then, Carrie, is factually incorrect. Go. Um, oh, I, you know, that would just take up the whole show, so we might just have to move <laughs> on. <laughs> well, we heard I good... Appreciate the, I, I appreciate the giggle so much. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I live to serve, all right? I am here to serve. 
Except I'm not here to serve YouTube because YouTube is still pissing me off because I haven't figured out or anybody hasn't figured out, at least from the SHR Media Studio here in uh, Sacramento, California, where I'm broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied Fornicalia, less than three miles from the belly of the beast, the proverbial Bill Mill, the capital of Sacramento. (sighs) Heavy, heavy sigh. Um, In any event... Since the last time we chatted, um, do you think anything's gone on? I mean, is there anything newsworthy that you can think of? You know, it's it's so hard to find something to talk about these days, isn't it? I, I know. It's just I know. kind of ho hum. Just yeah. you know, everything is going along so normally. <laughs> Wait a minute! I, I have to tell you yeah. this before we go any further. I have a chat uh-huh. room. People are in the chat room. You're going to enjoy this, Carrie. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, Mary Brockman said, Hey, Carrie was on Kel. Uh, I guess that was today. Dave Milner said, Hey, Carrie, great guest. Uh, Mary Brockman said, Hey, on BZ's show tonight. Dave said, Carrie has been on EDL radio a few times too. She's one of Jeff Mitchell's favorites. Wait until you hear this, Carrie. Oh, are you sitting down? Okay. Okay, you're sitting down. Okay, Mary Brockman said, she's gorgeous. I hate her. (laughs) Hey, I just have to come and hang out with you all more often because you are so generous and kind. I appreciate that. That's all lovely comments. And then Dave... I love you all. You're very lovely, kind people. (laughs) Dave Dave then had to put the snake shit into the punch bowl when he wrote, uh, Carrie was on Kel. Hmm, interesting visual. What the hell, Dave? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you made me laugh. All right, I gotta say it. You made me laugh. So fun. Uh, I've had such a fascinating evening. I was on on with Kel this morning. This morning. This morning. Just a little while ago, this this evening, and then I went to the Grateful Dead concert movie, and now here I am talking to you, and, you know, hey, it's been a great night. Did you see me at the Grateful Dead uh, movie? Did you see me in the audience? No, the no, no. The answer is no. You wouldn't, because even though I lived in San Francisco, and Pigpen, who was one of the original piano players, came to my apartment one day to get his piano oh, yeah. back, I never once went to a Grateful Dead concert. I didn't really like them. I was way, really? way, way into heavy metal. That was just my well, thing back then. I like heavy metal too. I like all music. Um, I've never, I never got to go to a Grateful Dead concert before Jerry Garcia died. I was so bummed. So this was a big deal for me. I've been to, um, like the Midnight, I think it's Midnight Star, a cover band, which is excellent. Um, I like the Grateful Dead a lot, so much so that I think I listened to them so much that I automatically got the ads for the show tonight, which is how I figured it, found out about it was on Facebook. Um, I did I like, like heavy metal too. I did like the yeah, Grateful I liked, Dead. I I like the Grateful mm-hmm. Dead for one thing. I liked uh, when I was in uh, Detectives. I used to wear Jerry Garcia ties. Jerry Garcia's oh, ties yes. were absolutely incredible. They were a riot they were. of colors. My yeah. God, they were gorgeous ties. It's too bad you're not watching they chat were. because there's a lot of cool stuff yeah. going on in in chat. Oh, well, uh, you know what? I always miss chat. I'm sitting in my car actually because I'm in New Hampshire and. Um, we're staying at a little guest house. It's a long story. Anyway, my kids, I don't have anywhere to talk, so I'm sitting in my car chatting. 
<laughs> okay. And I can't look at chat. So oh, you, that, you, you'll have to like, copy and paste or something. I don't know. I, I'm going to do that. Uh, Melanie, like I said, Melanie Collette said, Dave Milner, stop being such a guy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Dave, Dave said, Mark, that's my job, bro. That's my job. Dan Bush had just came into chat. Welcome. Thanks for being on the air, Dan. He said, really, Dave? I log in. That's the first post I see. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. you know, Dave, he is, um, he is very um, creative that way. Mm-hmm. I like that about him. Oh, Dan Another just said, I'm, I'm built like Jerry Garcia. Well, I have, a better be- I have a better beard, though. I have to say that. <laughs> you do have an awesome beard. Anytime that I'm watching you when you're on, um, when I can make it over there, well, anytime I can make it to watch you guys, um, I notice the beard at the lava lamp. Oh, thank you very much. There's a method to my madness. And because we're not on YouTube tonight, because it doesn't, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. I'm not the, you know, techno god around here. That's what you're arguing with. Uh, I don't don't know how to make the phones work um, in YouTube, so I'm not on YouTube tonight. But first things first. All right. My understanding is that you wrote some articles recently and you've been sending some posts out and some tweets about them. Um, one of them was, dang, one of them was about uh, monuments, was it not? That was one of the, the earlier ones. And you've had okay, it, so, at least yeah, two in, uh, since then. Yeah, so, uh, that's in Big League Politics. So I, do, I write for um, American Lens, and um, I was doing some writing for Nation One News, I think, last time I talked to you. Um, Big League Politics, which is Patrick Howley, mm-hmm. and um, he has been so kind, and he has allowed me a little bit of his platform to post some of my, my stories about the Confederate monuments. Um, and then I wrote an article about a veteran who had uh, posted some things online and had a huge amount of support from um, other veterans. He was in a hospital in Arizona. And um, let's see, I wrote, the most recent one that I wrote was about a um, protest in Charlotte, and I just submitted an article today, which should go in tomorrow, I think, because they've had some breaking news. Um, So I have another one that's coming tomorrow, and that's, uh, yeah, in Big League Politics. But um, So I guess that's six articles for Big League Politics. The one that I remember was, um, I saw the one about the monuments, and is, if I'm not mistaken, you came on last time and you were speaking about some of the monuments and some of the things that occurred with them, but you yeah, just you just true. mentioned that you had an article about uh, a, pati- a specific individual. What was that about? Dimple, the uh, Indian woman in Charlotte. Okay, maybe that was it. She wants to ban Trump. Uh, she wants to ban Trump supporters from running for city council and for the mayor position in Charlotte. Um, and that, that city council, um, the, that group of people are the ones who are responsible for creating out of nowhere the transgender bathroom bill. So we're having a lot of problems with this particular group of people. They are also the same group of people who are denying deplorable pride, which is a um, LGBTQ group that supports Donald Trump, they're preventing that group of people from marching in the gay pride parade in Charlotte. 
Well, of course. Same group of people over and over again. They do not like Donald Trump, and they do not like Republicans. Right, and you can you can be a a lesbian, you can be a homosexual, you can be a transgender, but if you're Trump, if you're full Trump, then you're evil. So you have to realize with right. leftists, your politics trumps uh, your identity. Your, your foundational core politics trump your identity politics. Isn't that Absolutely. weird? That's really strange. Yes, and this is this this group of people, and you know they are cultural Marxists. So they they do just whatever they can do to to push the boundaries of our civil society in any way they can. So if it's if it's going to suit them to push a transgender bill you know, where men have to use, cry if they don't get to use the women's bathroom, then, you know, they'll do that. Um, but if you're gay and you're conservative and for the rule of law, then they want to ban you, you know, but we're the tyrants and we're the fascists. They want to literally ban you from being able to participate in the government. Well, yeah, you can't, is, you can't speak. Well, wait, the, you, you should have no voice. Um, right. I, I was arguing with or deplorables. a deplorable. Oh, yes. Well, that <laughs> hell yes. Not just regular hell yes, but uh, extra crispy mm-hmm. hell yes. So what? <laughs> yes. So you wrote an article after that, also, did you not? Okay, and so that was um, the veteran. The, there is a veteran who is um, a triple amputee. And he had gone from, he was deferred from the veterans, the VA in Arizona, who told him um, he was having some bladder issues. And they told him, we're not doing any more tests on you. It's all in your head. It's post-traumatic stress. You don't have these problems that you're having. And his wife said, listen, he was, not to be too graphic, but to let you know, he was having problems. He was having problems, like, as in he couldn't completely you know, empty his bladder in an hour. It was taking a long time, and he was in a great amount of pain. And so they kept going around to these different hospitals, and hospitals um, were doing different tests, and were, one said, you know, it's in your head, PTSD, but most of the medical centers were saying, okay, and doing some, you know, other finding other issues. He ends up at a uh, medical clinic in Arizona where he is... Um, He's in. He's been in the hospital, I think, now for a week or so. I can't remember the details exactly, but he had called, used the, uh, the call button to call his nurse for some pain medicine, and no one responded to him. And it had been almost four or five hours. So he goes on Facebook and he says, "Hey, I'm in this medical clinic. I'm trying to get my pain medication." He had called his wife. His wife had called said, get him his pain medication. It was as needed. He should have gotten this pain medicine. Um, and nobody responded. And so he went to Facebook and he, he said, hey, I'm having this problem. Nobody's responding. And he posts up some photos. The next thing you know, a couple of veterans see this and they start posting photos. Of, you know, wow. that they're calling the hospital. They're recording it. And now you're getting hundreds of people, thousands of people who are watching and who are calling into the medical clinic area saying, you know, pay attention, 
this veteran is, you know, suffering. He needs his pain medication. So the hospital, the nurses go and they threaten the veteran and they say, give us your phone. And you and they took his room phone out and they said that he had to remove his post off of Facebook. So he goes and does that because he's kind of afraid. He's not quite sure what to do. Well, in the process, all of these veterans now have seen this. And they are very angry and they're very upset. He's upset because he feels like his First Amendment rights have been trampled because he doesn't get to talk on the phone. And, of course, all of these veterans are watching this happen to a man who is a triple amputee. This guy is a war hero. His story, oh, my gosh. And he's just, this story just, you know, tugs at the heartstrings. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's just so poignant. And so um, that was the story of the triple amputee. Let me confirm one um, thing if I can. That was the final hospital in which he uh, was placed was a VA yeah. hospital in Arizona. Is no. that correct? No. It, it actually, it wasn't the VA hospital. The VA hospital had denied him, in, which is, you know, looking at the whole story with John McCain. The VA hospital had said to him, we're not doing any more tests on your bladder because all of your problems are in your head and this is post-traumatic stress. And so they then had to go out of their pocket and pay all of these different other medical clinics. He did end up at a medical center in Arizona, but it's not the VA. The VA had just basically washed their hands of him and said, we're not doing anything. Okay, so then, then that, two, two points from that, then. Number one, the VA, folks, if you like... You want single-payer health care. Listen to what Carrie Baxter Donovan is saying because this is your future under federally mm-hmm. managed, I use that word very loosely, single-payer right. health care. That's the way it's going to be, not just for that man, but for you and, your, and everyone else, your children as well. And the number two, even potentially worse than that, a private hospital handling a veteran, a triple amputee, Mm -hmm. in this fashion. Now, I can see this occurring, unfortunately, it's terrible to to have to say this, but I can see that occurring in a uh, a VA hospital, but occurring in a privately run hospital, um, and you have a nurse come take your phone. Number one, he needs an advocate. Number two, he needs someone who's about six foot five, and about 325 pounds, and he needs to have his phone given back to him, that's absolutely, I find that unconscionable, completely unconscionable on every level, if if not that of the First Amendment. So when you walk through the doors of a hospital, I'll just throw it out for you and for the people listening live and the people listening in the podcast and folks in chat. When you walk through the doors of a hospital, apparently I was not cognizant of the fact that you lose many of your rights. That he got a, a Facebook storm going is fabulous, and that he was able to use social media in this fashion is absolutely incredi- incredible, and, and this should be a, a cautionary tale and uh, an, an insight into the future of, you know, this should happen. 
not just with a hospital, but this should happen just as the left uses social media, so should we and all other good people use social media in order to right a wrong. Carrie, what happened in this hospital and the reaction is just fundamentally excoriatingly wrong on its face. Melanie Collette said in chat, because I would lose my shit. I would too. No one. And I understand he's a triple amputee, and I'm I'm guessing that that factored into it somewhere, but absent that, even if I'm sick, you're going to try to stop me from getting on social media? There's going to be an issue, and it'll probably be physical. This is so horrible. It that was this happened. So many people, yeah, so and and you see it just it just raises up the anger, right? And so he had numerous people who then went to the hospital and were corresponding back and forth with the administrator and the president of the hospital and saying, you know, eventually everything was restored to him. And I do have to go and do some follow up. The last time I I followed up with one of the people who knew what was going on. And they said that he had been discharged from the hospital, that the staff had agreed that they overreacted by going legal too soon. So they automatically went from, we don't like what you've done, to we're taking your phone away. And so um, there was a group of veterans who who were advocating for him at that time. Now, he does have a wife who was his advocate, and she was very much a part of his life. Um, she is his caretaker. She had just happened to be out of the room that day, um, but I had talked to him and to her for probably almost two hours. Um, and so and she explains a lot of the things to me. So he does have someone very much who loves him, who's very active in his life, who is taking good care of him. Um, this just happened to be a situation where she wasn't there to be able to be on top of it right away so um it does have it it does have a good um ending where the veterans were able to get him into some other medical um he felt like the doctors that he had at this medical center were good and were taking care of him so he wanted to let us know that um and that he does have other veterans groups who are making sure that he now gets some Mayo Clinic help for this bladder issue. Um, he was feeling better, and the hospital had um, conceded that they needed to get some special training for um, for veterans, if there were other veterans, especially any who had served in combat, um, that they would have to get some special training to learn how to be a little bit more sensitive. So it all sort of ends up good, but, you know, it's like you have to expose them. You have to expose where there are weaknesses you know, in these um, institutions in order to get the things done. And that is something that the left does all the time. They're very good at, and they get what they want. We do need to be more active that way. And this is a great example of that, um, this particular story, because it ends up that we we're, we are going to have affected a change that is going to affect other veterans in their families, especially if, this the question was, well, President Trump talks about, you know, privatizing veterans' care. And, you know, up until this story, I thought that that was a great idea. And then I went, 
wait a minute, <laughs> what are we doing? If we're sending veterans off into these hospitals with these nurses who don't have any training at all, maybe that's not such a great idea. And so there were some other people who had joined the conversation of maybe the best, better thing to do is to keep them in the VA system um, because then they can really get their specialized care from other veterans and people who really understand the issues, right? Um, who knows, if he sh- should the VA have given him these tests, um, you know, or that should they have sent him to a specialist who doesn't know how to deal with? The other thing that came out of this story that I thought was really interesting was the wife, had, and I asked her, you know, what would you like to say? <clears throat> what would your message be? And she said, I want to tell people that not everything has to do with post-traumatic stress with veterans. This man has bladder issues. That's not post-traumatic stress. And, um, and I thought, yeah, we, I think this generation, we're going to have to really start to think about real medical, quality medical attention. Not everything is post-traumatic stress with our veterans. That's so, my point. Um, that's that's exactly the point. We've got about one minute left to go to the break, and I'm going to go to the break, and we'll be right back. We're talking to Carrie Baxter Donovan, who is the East Coast political goddess. We will go to a break. We'll come right back, and she will be back too. But the final point that I'd like to make is this. It shouldn't make a shit of difference, one iota, that he's a veteran. It should make all the difference all the difference in the world that he's a human being conservative media done right you're listening to the shr media network hey it's sean from the sackheads radio show also one of the owners here at the shr media network are you opinionated have you ever wanted to do your own show have you ever heard somebody like the sackheads and go yeah i could probably do that better well now's your chance send me a five-minute clip at sackheadsradio at gmail.com and maybe you can be part of the SHR broadcasting team. Sackheadsradio at gmail.com Times are dark. The people are misled by corrupt politicians, lied to by establishment media, and deceived by the false messages of Islam. A nation looking for direction needs a guide. It needs a man with a cane. I'm Dave Milner. Join me on Spreaker, SHR Media, Pundit Press Radio, and YouTube through the SHR Media page for a different kind of commentary on the unpleasant blind guy. Because the truth is not always pleasant. In a world controlled by corrupt politicians. You got a business. That, you didn't build that. A team of ordinary men emerge from the ashes to give voice to the voiceless and hope to the hopeless. Sackhead Sean. Dude, I'm not saying capitalistic. Sackhead Clint. All good friends of ours usually show, show up drunk. drunk. Also starring Sako as the producer. I'm a little bit drunk, I'm a little bit drunk, cause I'm drinking, drinking, drinking. They are the Sackheads Radio Show. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific on SHR Media. The bloviating Zeppelin. He's Bigfooted enough radio shows to last a lifetime, courtesy of Sean, Clint, Ken, and Jersey Joe. Now it's time for him to waddle on his own two feet. 
via the glorious SHR Media. Gird thy loins for the bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon. Coming soon to Ossicles near you. Excelsior. Conservative Media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are in fact listening to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon. Live and direct here from the SHR Media Network. And it appears as though perhaps we're going to be picking up some more folks in the future on SHR, according to Dan Butcher, the uh, owner of High Plains Pundit uh, Radio TV and just uh, highplainspundit.com, as a matter of fact. We were just speaking to Kerry Baxter Donovan, who is the East Coast political goddess, as I am wont to say, and we were wrapping up some information about a gentleman who was getting alleged treatment in the local VA and ended up moving to a hospital in Arizona where he was essentially set on ignore mode and that was alleviated or ameliorated in a fashion by social media and the point is you can make social media a big big bonus you can use it like the tool that i think originally it was meant to be made and carrie i have to tell you that was a wonderful wonderful utilization of social media and i have to say god bless you for number one covering that story because it needs to be covered and then i kind of have to ask you sort of the follow-up question is do you know anything about how he's doing now? Is he still in the hospital? Is he getting any sort of attention? It, it, yes, he's a veteran. I understand. Yes, PT, PTSD is an issue, but mm-hmm. he's he's just a human well, being. He, he, and he is, and he's he's a human being. And his uh, part of his reasoning for uh, making sure that we got the we got all the details of the story was he you know he still wants to serve his country. He still wanted to make sure that everybody else is okay. And this is, is, is an amazing human being. And um, he has a lot of friends and a lot of people who care about him. He has a lot of veterans who are really loyal. You know how veterans are, but very loyal to him, especially because of, you know, his injuries, but because his outlook is he still wants to take care of everybody else. And so he just he has he has a group of friends that are taking care of him. Um, so he had been discharged from that medical facility probably the day after that article came out. Um, I I did a follow up, you know, just uh, I just reached out to some people and said, hey, how are things going? Um, you know, any any updates? There wasn't anything to really write about at that point. Um, they know to get a hold of me if there is anything. But at that point, he was doing well. They had some. Um, groups of doctors and, and groups of veterans who make sure that very disabled veterans get medical treatment. So, you know, there's sort of charities, um, but that he had, he's probably going to start seeing somebody at the Mayo Clinic, which is where he had been sort of instructed to go. After the VA, he went to a hospital and they said, you can probably get this whole thing solved if you could get to the Mayo Clinic. But he's not John McCain. He isn't just sitting on a pile of money. 
his no. wife has had to quit her job to take care of him. And so, and she, like she said, there is a small amount of money through the VA that she should be able to get as a caretaker for him, you know, to quit her job. But the, apparently the doctor that they had is not helping them with that. And so she's not getting that money. I mean, these are not wealthy people. And so he doesn't have the money to get to the Mayo Clinic anyway. These sort of charity, smaller groups of veterans, they're going to make sure he gets to the Mayo Clinic. He might have already been there by now. Um, but that was something that was going to be happening. And he was feeling like the medical attention he got was pretty good. So he was feeling better by the time that article came out. Um, he was very, it really lifted his spirits to see these people who cared because, you know, he was getting to the point where he was getting sort of depressed and thinking he's just been shoved into a corner and ignored. Um, also, his wheelchair, he didn't have access to his wheelchair. And so, you know, those things probably play on him mentally, and um, especially, you know, the his injuries and things. And he was feeling very dispirited. Um, then he, he, he has this thing on Facebook, and he had a rush of people who cared about him. So... Um, and I my think that everything's going to be okay for him. Mm -hmm. My guess would be he also has a buttload of new friends that he can uh, yes. consult with, fall back on, uh, chat with. That That's just a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Mm, and then it leads mm -hmm. to this. California wants to go to single payer. California wants to be the first state to... Right. Definitely go that direction. Well, here's a perfect example of what you get in, you know, this is an administrative hospital, but is not as bureaucratic as what you would get if you were a single payer uh, individual in California. California wants to do that to the tune of $400 billion, with a B, billion dollars. Number one, they don't have it. Number two, that's the budget right. of the state of California already. It's just so, 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 it's so crazy. It, I, it's absolutely insane. It's crazy. And then it leads to it's this. It's going to drive. Yeah, it's well, you know, the quality. Anybody with basic economics understanding knows that if you have a single anything, the quality goes down. Well, the and quality. Now you're talking about. The quality goes down, and then the other subsequent thing that absolutely must occur is what? Rationing. You must have rationing right. for the betterment oh, right. of all. And you're all lumped together. You're like the prisoner. I am not a number. I'm a name. Well, in that bureaucracy, just as you saw, perfectly illustrated in the VA, he wasn't a man or a woman or a veteran. He was just a number. Right. He was something to which you occasionally apply something else, and he's not that big uh, in, the, in the consideration chain. That's your future, which then leads to this. What the hell is happening with the Senate and health care that they cannot get their arses together and just repeal Obamacare. Yes, McCain voted that they were going to chat about it. McCain and seven others voted mm -hmm. against just the repeal. Stop. Wait a fucking moment. Mm 
that means that as far as these people are considered or are thinking, they believe that Obamacare is better, is fundamentally better than the way it was before Obamacare. Are you kidding me? Well, I think that we've got to be realistic about our civil servants. Um, I don't think they care about the quality of health care. They really only care what is better is that their friends are getting more money. They don't care about who's in what hospital because they're never going to have to go to those hospitals. They're going to have they're going to be the ones who have the private hospitals, the private health care, and the good doctors. Um, and they simply we have to accept it. They simply do not care about us. They don't care what we have to face. They don't care what our children have to face. They really don't. They don't care what our veterans have to face. John McCain, I don't care. Nobody is going to convince me that he cares a lick about anybody. I, I completely concur. I completely concur. Right. One so, of the first things that I would do... any time worried about lofty ideas of what quality care any of Americans are going to get. He's, he just is trying to figure out how to stroke his cronies. That's about it. And I know Dave is going to say something about that one. <laughs> yes, well, what he's going to say, I'll say it for him right now. As far as he's concerned, cronies <laughs> is just a euphemism. That's all it is. But, but I would also say this but, further. I, I hate to even think about doing this, but if I were ever to consider opening a constitutional convention, and I'll probably end up talking to the underground professor, Dr. Michael Jones, about this on Thursday. Right. Um, right. It's the only thing that I would even remotely consider a constitutional convention for would be perhaps two aspects. Number one, a mandated federally balanced budget. And number two, a law or a, an amendment that says every law passed by Congress, there are no exemptions. Congress, everything applies to mm -hmm. them as well. Period. End of statement. Right. The problem, of course, is any time that you're dealing with progressive communists, they don't care what the laws say. They'll just figure out a way to get all of their cronies into office so they can do whatever they want to do or however it is that they can get done whatever it is that they want to get done. They don't care what the laws are. We keep, I think we keep making the mistake that if we come up with a system of laws, of rules, that they're going to somehow abide, and they're not going to. I think the only way to do it with health care is force it on them then. Okay, like, okay, so you're going to have then you have to abide by all of the laws that you pass. And well, somehow we have to keep pushing it back up against on them. Um, you know, like we see President Trump doing with saying that he's going to cut out, right, is how he's going to cut out their, um, what is it, how is he phrasing it? Well, he wants to, he wants to remove her. Yeah, he wants to remove uh, their, their benefits if if they don't make it a, a, applicable. I've been out for a couple. 
No, that's all right. Okay. He wants to make it equal all across the board, and that's my exact point. Now, you make another point right. that that 50% I agree with, 50% I disagree with. What you said was essentially, why are we making all these rules? Because no one abides by them anyway. Yes, okay, agreed with that. Mm-hmm. The corollary I would submit is this. Um, we need, we, conservatives, Republicans... Even independents, as I am. I'm a registered independent. I am not a Republican. Mm -hmm. I gave away the Republican Party a number of years ago. But what we need to do is what Mm -hmm. the Democrats do, sack the hell up. We need pushback. They know how to push back. We need to learn from the Democrats in terms of unity. But we have people like McCain, Murkowski, et al., who've decided that... All right. I'm, these are the same damn people that in 2015 said, oh, yes, we must repeal and replace. Listen, repeal and replace. Now these fucktards have said, no, not going to repeal. What the hell happened? I'll tell you what the hell happened. Their positions got stronger. They're not up for an immediate election. So they are operating now from the fuck you factor. You're not going to affect me right right now. So now I'm going to give my pushback. Right. And I think that here's, you know, we've, I've been watching John McCain for, I want to say 15 years and I've been watching the Arizona GOP complain about him, threaten to recall him, um, start, start petitions and get right up to the recall um, the process with him and him with uh, John McCain coming and saying, oh, I'll, you know, I'll be nice, I'll be good, I'll be more conservative, and please don't recall me, and going through this cycle with him numerous times, I want to say two or three times in the last, I, I think of how old my son, my oldest son is, that's when I really jumped into politics, um, blogging and stuff about it. So 15, 16 years, right? So His... The problem is the GOP, exactly like you said. Now, I'm still a Republican. I'm still active in the GOP um, because I am hopeful that they are going to finally realize that we have to um, really deconstruct Alinsky, understand, and do it back to them. And none, no more of this, oh. we're going to be ethical and moral and law-abiding and assume that they are too and be lo- have these lofty philosophies, um, because they haven't gotten us anywhere. And John McCain has been giving us a problem for a long time. We have known about it. And he is obviously just a backstabber, because he's been threatened to be recalled how many different times? He's not really been a Republican, we call him, you know, rhinos and laugh about it, but we have to get, we have to buckle down now and start pushing back. Wait, wait, there's more, there's more, there's more. About 10 years ago, perhaps a little bit more, I don't know if you're cognizant of this, but there was a time when John McCain wanted to move across the aisle to the Democrats, and he truly, well and truly, did want to change his R to a D. He decided to stay to the... Yes, he just, and he did that twice, by the way. He stayed a Republican because, in his own mind, the Democrats did not court him and love him sufficiently and praise be upon oh, him you know, you're so right. he stayed okay, yes, a republican now, right, right, right. he stayed right. there it's like arlen's 
Spectre. It's like Arlen Spectre on steroids. <laughs> on the case. Now I have something interesting coming up when I get back to um, back to North Carolina. I am going to be interviewing, and I don't know when the article will come out, but I will be interviewing a man who was a POW for the same amount of time John McCain was, okay. who does not like John McCain. It <laughs> has not like John McCain. You will know who this man is. You'll recognize his name, and he's um, very well known. And okay. he wants to talk again because John McCain is making him crazy. Um, so I think that... Well, we know that John's on his last, right, few. This has got to be his last go-around. I would expect. If for no other reason than the, the various medical issues. I have to interject at one point, though, about this. You yeah. made an incredibly insightful remark in passing that I couldn't lay, leave unaddressed. And the reason I said that is because I spoke to an individual last week, last Thursday. You mentioned Saul Alinsky. You opened up that door. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk through it. I had an interview okay, with, a, with an, in, uh, an individual that I interviewed uh, the week before that at Freedom Fest. His name was Ralph Benko, B-E-N-K-O. He uh, sits on the board of the Alinsky Center Saul Alinsky, the Alinsky Center in New York. Alinsky's son, David, David is in control of the Alinsky Center. What essentially he said, yes, I had an hour interview with the Saul Alinsky-ite who said to me... How did I miss this? I need... Okay. It was the last portion of last Thursday's show, and I came to a conclusion that this guy hadn't seen me going to. He was attempting to convince me that Saul Alinsky was an extremely conservative guy. What I said is this in response. The rules for radicals, all 13 of them, they are comprised, they are a system. And it's a system that can be used in any situation. So what I said is, yeah. then, it's, an, it's another if-then equation. If these are a structured set of rules that the left uses to disintegrate various systems, why mm-hmm. can't the people on the right use it as a system because against the people they, on the left? They can. They can. This they is can. what I've been talking yes. about for yes. 25 yes. years. Is saying, yes. turn them around, turn the rules around, and I wrote the rules for deplorables, and I've also been writing um, deconstructing Saul Alinsky, going line by line through his writings and saying, we, basically, we can do this too. It is a system that works one way, going and coming, and it's effective. And he was a genius in the way that it, because it was, it is effective. You're right. I totally agree with you. I'm excited because finally someone agrees with me. I've been saying that for 20, 20 plus years and people have been laughing at me. Uh, I, I when this, five you right now. Uh, th- this Just guy, hang out together. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. This guy walked by, we weren't doing any interviews uh-huh. at the time. And he said, Hey, my name is Ralph. I'd like to introduce myself, blah, blah, blah. Alinsky center. My first thought was, Get the hell out of here. I know what it means. I know what the rules of radicals are. But I thought, okay, Freedom Fest, sit down. Let's have a chat. One of the things that he said up front is that the left has essentially hijacked 
that book, which is why I concluded that, if he's saying this, what he's suggesting to me is that it is a system that was designed to be used in individual situations. It's a situational system. I was wondering, I was wondering if, you know, oh, this is just fascinating. Okay. I was wondering if somebody from, who knew Solowinski would say that the left hijacked his book, because there's something in his book, and I can't remember what it is now, it was, I was doing this work when I was in the car driving out here, so it was just a few weeks ago, so how timely is this? Um, well, the, the weird thing was I mentioned, I mentioned Cloward Piven to Ralph Banco. He was yeah. not familiar with uh, the, the Cloward Piven situation. Um, so and I that find might be an that... indication that, that they did take, that they did overly adopt his work if he didn't know. This is the son of Alinsky, right? No, this is this is a, a gentleman who represents the Alinsky Center named Ralph Benko. Okay, so but he the, knows okay. he knows and works with David Alinsky, who is the son so of Saul. Okay. Yes, Saul passed away right. in 1971. Okay. Now, Dave Milner makes an interesting right. point here in chat. He says it's a situational system, but I still have a problem with the book dedicated to, to Lucifer. Okay, got it. All very well and good. Right. But it is, I'm suggesting that it's a tool that can be used both ways. And for whatever reason, it's only the left that have come to this cognition. And I'm also suggesting use it like it was meant to be used, situationally. It It's just not the purvey of the left. It can be the purvey of anyone who has a goal. Well, you know, I wrote... So I wrote a while ago, you can look on Twitter, and I've started to write the rules for deplorables. And one of the things that I had seen, and I was inspired I was inspired by the rules for radicals, not because of Lucifer, by the way, because I know that these rules are demonic. They, they bring out the worst in people and in groups. And it, there's something very wrong with stoking, like, shame you know, mockery, those kinds of things. The thing, the problem is it does work for directing people to do what you want to do. But anyway, I started doing the rules for deplorables, and what I started thinking about was what I would like to do with my rules is think about a football team and think about how we could work together as a football team to win a game. So I want to use these sports analogies. And um, one of the things that I really came up with, I think my first rule was get back on offense. So the thing was, you know, the rules for radicals, um, how to get back on offense even when it offends the left. And so I started thinking about my son played offensive tackle in football, and I would ask him questions, you know, about what, what do the coaches tell you, how do you play, you know, this getting ahead of an offensive player. Um, and so... My rules are not dedicated to Lucifer, but more to the art of winning, you know? Um, and so, but the idea is inspired from the rules for radicals in the sense that there are these rules. You know, even Roger Stone has, like, Stone's rules, and they're fascinating, too, by the way. So in that framework, I think that the rules for radicals are fascinating to look at, to deconstruct, to learn. Um, to turn around sometimes, like you said, situational. We don't want to become the kind of people 
to live like these are our identity, and that is what the left has done. And so isn't it, wouldn't it be so strange if they co-opted this and they weren't even invited into, you know, taking these rules for radicals, and it's their identity, you know? It's kind of tragic, isn't it? The conservatives and the Republicans do not learn their lesson. And I'm going to make a statement which every, which everyone here, you, Carrie, if you were here, you'd give me a big-ass hug. I'm going to make a statement that you're going to agree with, everyone listening live okay. is going to agree with, everyone listening in chat is going to agree with, and everyone listening in, in the podcast is going to agree with. And that's this. What have you got to damn lose? Because no matter what you say or do, it's immaterial. Democrats, leftists, anarchists, and the American media media maggots are going to hate you anyway. So what do you have to lose? That is... That's a concept and a thought that the Republicans simply have not embraced yet. Now, tell me what part of that is false. Well, that is all true. I think that... So what do you got to lose? What do you got to lose? (laughs) The only problem, I think, that with it is um, not acknowledging that some people are just too afraid. They don't want to fight. They don't want to serve. They don't want to stand up and and push anybody back. They don't... they don't want to have to think about what they're doing. They want to just live a life of pleasure and, you know, pampered United States of America. And so um, I try to encourage people to push back, and I try to make it sound like, hey, pushing back is fun. If you're not pushing back, you're missing out on all the fun. So um, I think that I agree with you completely. I think it's true. The, the problem is thinking that people aren't doing it because they think they're going to – because they're, okay, not addressing the fact that they're wimps. I'll just say it. I'll just come out and no, say it. No, be true, be true. the fact that people are wimps. That's, that's completely true. Uh, Carrie, we've got two more minutes left before, before the bottom of the hour break. If it's all right with you, I'd like to bring you back uh, after the break because I've got a couple of questions. But the other point oh, sure. that I'd like to make... The other point that I'd like to make is this, because you're already at no, no matter what happens, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter how you craft your argument, if you're a conservative or member of the GOP, you're already at no. What are you going to do to get over to yes? It's a lot easier than you think. And the final point is this. I think, I believe that many in the GOP and even the conservative side believe that if they do this, that they're going to lose an arseload of funding, that they're going to lose their fiscal support. Because think of it this way. It's, right. a, it's a great thing that uh, representatives are elected every two years. On the other hand, it's the worst thing in the world that representatives right. are elected every two years because they are constantly constantly campaigning that out that they're thinking of absolutely nothing but campaigning that said um you you have to be cognizant of the fact that the people that are supporting the gop hey just like donald trump are sub rosa frequently supporting the democrats as well They'll support both sides if they think that it's in their best interest, i.e. Donald Trump. 
wrote checks to Democrats, wrote checks to Republicans. So I say that's a specious argument. It's a poor argument. Okay, folks, we are listening to Carrie Baxter Donovan. She is the East Coast political goddess. We're going to go to a break. She has been kind enough to say that she will come back right after the break. So, folks, please, oh, please, don't go away. Conservative Media Done Right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Hey, it's Sean from the Sackheads Radio Show. Also one of the owners here at the SHR Media Network. Are you opinionated? Have you ever wanted to do your own show? Have you ever heard somebody like the Sackheads and go, yeah, I could probably do that better? Well, now's your chance. Send me a five-minute clip at sackheadsradio at gmail.com. And maybe you can be part of the SHR Broadcasting Team. SackheadsRadio at gmail.com. Times are dark. The people are misled by corrupt politicians, lied to by establishment media, and deceived by the false messages of Islam. A nation looking for direction needs a guide. It needs a man with a cane. I'm Dave Milner. Join me on Spreaker, SHR Media, Pundit Press Radio, and YouTube through the SHR Media page for a different kind of commentary on the unpleasant blind guy. Because the truth is not always pleasant. Hey, this is Mim from Freedom Fest, the world's largest gathering of free minds. Join your friends from SHR Media at the beautiful Paris Resort in Las Vegas, Nevada, July 19th through the 22nd for three amazing days of liberty-oriented discussion, investment advice, and the Anthem Film Festival. It's our big 10th anniversary featuring keynote speaker William Shatner and Freedom Fest favorites including Steve Forbes, Jim Rogers, Lee Edwards, David Boaz, Doug Casey, Dinesh D'Souza, John Stossel, Lisa Kennedy, Grover Norquist, Peter Schiff, and many more. Don't miss out. Register at freedomfest.com for $100 off the regular registration rate when you use the all-caps code SHRmedia. Featuring right thinking from a left brain and doing the job the American maggots won't, BZ is fundamentally changing America one diaper at a time. Just when safety pin manufacturers are running out of metal for the diapers of the leftists, where the speech is free... But the drinks are not. The bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon can be heard every Tuesday and Thursday night, commencing at 11 p.m. Eastern and 8 p.m. Pacific, where pushback is a requisite art form in and of itself. Let your ossicles be truly liberated when you listen to the bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon, only on SHR Media Network. No ferrets were harmed in the making of this ad. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Well, 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 well. It's the last segment. I have to say this has been a rather lively show. I had the pleasure of speaking at the beginning of the first hour to Dan Butcher, the High Plains Pundit. We basically had Texas chat and rattlesnake chat and overall snake chat for a half hour. And since then, we've been speaking to the uh, East Coast political goddess herself, Carrie Baxter Donovan. And we've been having such a great chat here on uh, in the saloon that uh, I have a few more questions, and I bet Kerry has some thoughts about it. Well, for, first, I want to ask Kerry you this. Now, you're going to be doing, you said you're going to be doing another article coming up now. Is that correct? 
Um, so I've submitted an article that is um, on the topic of Democracy NC and a voter um, voter fraud protest hearing in Raleigh, North Carolina, that I think is fascinating and really highlights the um, the the way that the left works with charities and influencing judges and making new rules. And so I have that one coming out. And then when I get back to North Carolina, I'm going to be writing, a, I'm going to be interviewing a well-known POW who is kind of a buddy of mine. Um, and I'm going to be writing about his feelings about the government in general. So that will be coming out soon. And since I just thought of it, and I should have, I apologize, uh, Appy Polylockies for not doing this at the very beginning of the introduction to you. Where can people find you and read you and uh, get to know you on on social media? Um, well, I I write I write a lot on Facebook, and um, that's Carrie Carrie Donovan, and on Twitter um, I can get going on a roll for you know days on end on Twitter at Happit, H-A-P-P-I-T 1776 on Twitter. So mostly that's where my social media is right now. And um, I'm doing some writing for Big League Politics and also for American Lens. I'm contributing there. So Okay, can I... Are there two places then? Can, can I ask you a question? Oh, yes, please do. Okay. What's a Happit? Mm-hmm. It is... It is my interpretation of the way that you say it. Of, <laughs> it's a Scottish. It's a Scottish word, and it's um, it means liberty. That's how I'll say it. It means liberty in Scottish. Okay. All right. Cool. I was just curious because you know I thought maybe a habit was a small furry creature along the lines of a rabbit, but not within sizes quite so long. That that was my first thought. Well, I had. I had originally wanted the word liberty, and of course, everybody has taken liberty. And then I was thinking of all different kinds of of uh, different ways to say liberty, and that's how I—that's what I ended up with. And you know, at the time, I was kind of this is not my first Twitter account. So at the time, I wasn't sure if I was going to make this a throwaway account, or um, I have some trolling accounts, um, and. This one I have, this is my only account that I have right now, and I'm um, using it exclusively now for, like, really posting real things. But, you know, I made it thinking, I I don't know if I'm going to keep this or throw it away. So, who knows? And that's how I came up with habits. You just tickled... You just tickled something in my in my brain housing group, and you and I were discussing this a little bit earlier on Twitter, and I said, you know, damn it, I think I want to mention this tonight. Um... Mm-hmm. I sent something out, yep. and I've been sending things out in various tweets uh, to all my followers. And I can't tell you how many times now people have come back and said, are you still on Twitter? Do you still tweet? Because right. I don't really get much of, of anything from you. So you mentioned that uh, it was called shadow banning. I wonder if I've been right. shadow banned by Twitter. You've definitely been shadow, you've definitely been shadow banned. I have also... I'll tell you, I've been shadow banned, and I know when I was shadow banned, I got into an argument. Well, I was trolling. I'm a troll, okay? So I know how to troll, and I do that on purpose many times um, to people. 
And um, I'm very good at it, so I know how to push their buttons. And so I had been trolling Rick Wilson with the GOP. Um, he is friends with Egg, Egg McMuffin, Evan McMuffin, and he is actually part of that whole P dossier. He was in that whole trail. Okay, so Rick Wilson, he write, he posts something about um, Putin and Trump, and I post something to him, and he doesn't like it, and I end up having about five or six hundred sock puppets come after me. So, and I chronicled some of it under rules for deplorables too, by the way. Um, and so I was playing with him and I knew what I was doing. Um, and I exposed that he was using sock puppets. And I, like I said to him, you're the GOP person harassing me for, for posting positive things about our president. Uh, okay. Stop, 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 weird. stop just for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the hell is a sock puppet. You got to remember, you're speaking to a techno luddite <laughs> right here. So, so you, a sock you, puppet account is, and you have to, if you've been online for any time, posting micro blogging, you know, any anything like that about politics, you there you'll notice that they, they kind of the responses, the responders will sort of swarm, and they'll you post something and they'll try to mock you and shame you rules for radicals, Alinskyite, you know. They'll, they'll, they'll follow a certain pattern of trying to marginalize you and make, shut you down. And so there are specific people who ha- will have sock puppet accounts, meaning that they control one person who's controlling a number of different accounts. And you, Twitter has a problem with this. People can pay for sock puppet accounts. What? Um, there's all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of stuff you can Google that. So Rick Wilson... Obviously, you know, because I know what to look for. So I know how to identify this is a sock puppet, this is a sock puppet, this is a sock puppet. And then I have, you know, a brain so I can use logic and figure out all of these responses are coming from one person because it's a pattern. And I just have a pattern. My brain makes patterns out of things, you know, and so I can just run a little algorithm on my own self and figure out this is coming from the same person and they're using different names in different accounts, okay? And so I made a comment to him. The next thing I know, I've got five or 600 people coming at me telling me I'm ugly and stupid and, you know, all those little stupid things that they do and they're posting. So anyway, it was about that time that I exposed him and I said, and I, and I trapped him and I photocopied it and I kept posting it over and over again saying, you're using soft puppets. And here's where you admitted that you did it, is right here in this post. Because he put it up, and then he took it down, right? But I got a photo screen of it. So I'm harassing him, and he's harassing me, and we're all over Twitter. And I'm kicking his butt, by the way, <laughs> because that's why I say get on the offense. Don't be, don't be sitting there being a victim. So anyway, it was about that time that I noticed that um, – I, I started to go invisible. I had been making a certain amount of um, new followers per post that I would make, and, I, and that went on. That sort of pattern went on for a year, and then all of a sudden, nothing. Like I'm invisible, right? That's when I was shadow banned. So, being shadow banned, and you can look this up. Twitter admits that people are shadow banned. You have definitely been shadow banned because you posted something to me that I haven't, that I didn't see on my, um, in my feed. 
Yeah, you said over to your page. Yeah, you said you had to go back to back to the timeline to do it. Yeah, so you have been shadow banned. That's part of the reason why you can't get your uh, your followers up. Oh, really? See what you're writing. Yeah, wonderful. You are you are a shadow. People have to know where you are to go find you. I have certain people who follow me who who follow me on a daily basis, and a couple of people who, who read, you know, they read me. And so they say that they keep getting bumped off of my Twitter account. At first they thought that I was kicking them off or something. We had to figure out, like, what? I, I, I don't understand how am I losing people who are legitimately following me and who are, want to read me. Okay. Um, now that makes sense because I just had a tweet about uh, less than a week ago from someone who said, I just went to your blog, and why aren't you following me anymore? Apparently, right. I, guess, I guess Twitter dumped, yep, Twitter the, will drop dumped the mm-hmm. people I was following. Now, if I want to do that, I've got to go the fuck back to everyone and see yeah. if I can remember all those. And, you know, if I was dumped, I'd think perhaps, all right, you know, BZ decided to do it himself. So I could understand a little bit of umbrage on that. Now it's beginning to make some sense to me. So my next question to you is, does that mean that somehow I was getting to somebody and they just, I was starting to become effective and Twitter said, no, fuck no, you're not going to do that. Well, you know, I don't, it's an algorithm. So they've, they've written algorithms to capture up pro Trump people conservative, um, people who they do not want us using Twitter to promote ourselves. And so have you gotten to somebody? Yes, you've gotten into an algorithm. I don't believe that. I think in my case that I got into an argument with Rick Wilson and it happened right around that time. And I think that he's a smarmy little such and such. I think he had something to do with me being really shadow banned, um, me being even worse. But I think I would have fallen into the algorithm anyway. Um, it doesn't sound to me like you've had any interaction with anybody, trolled anybody, kind of thing. So I don't think that they're, I don't think that that like Twitter is searching for you. I think that you fell into an algorithm, right? It doesn't sound like you've gotten wonderful. Wonderful, but just yeah, wonderful. you have. I mean, yeah, you've gotten into under somebody's skin, which is you've gotten to be too, too conservative or something like that. Um, maybe not too conservative, too pro-Trump. That's really going to get you into trouble over there. So you know, that's what Gab AI is about. Um, oh, you just you just big-footed where I was going to go. Number one, though, I have to tell everybody we're listening to Kerry Baxter Donovan here in the saloon, BZ's Berserk Bobcat Saloon, and Kerry Baxter Donovan is the the embodiment of the East Coast political goddess, as I call her. And I want to give a shout-out to someone that uh, is a former um, 
Tribble from the Hugh Hewitt Show, who is now in chat here. I want to give a wave and a shout out to Right Wing Aviator. And I used to, when I was there in chat at uh, Hugh Hewitt Show, Right Wing Aviator and I were there quite frequently. And so I have to say to you, sir, thank you very much for being in here. And thank you very much for being in chat. It's really, really good to see you. So if you want to be in here every Tuesday and Thursday night, which is where all the cool cats and kittens go, I should say, then Right Wing, you've done a great job. So, folks, give a big shout-out to Right Wing Aviator here in chat. He's a great guy, and he's a conservative. Just thought I should say. That said, Kerry Baxter Donovan, you made a great point. Gab.ai. I'm in Gab, but I find that counterintuitive. It's clunky. It is. I have a hard time at Gab. I like it. I like everything about what they represent, you know, who they are, what they're doing. I don't want to say anything bad about that, but it's hard for it's harder for me to use and so I'm over there but I don't it's not as simple yes. um, for me as, as Twitter and so I'm still on Twitter even though I can lose up to a hundred, two hundred people a day. What? And so it's it's frustrating. Yeah, I will get um, and so what I did was to try to track it. I set an automated message. And I, my automated message is so goofy, it's crazy. Um, but every time somebody follows me, I get in my automated messages, hey, someone's following you because they've read your automated message, right? Um, because uh, one time I even went and I counted my followers, and I had like over 500 more followers than what was shown at the top of my page. What? Um, I'll I'm, see that I'll get like a hundred new followers a day, and my number of followers will actually decrease by like fifty to hundred people. And so, yeah, I've been watching this happen. And if I get too tied up in it, it, it could drive me crazy. It would be so frustrating. Oh, yeah. If I was trying to make like, any money, <laughs> it would drive me really crazy. Now I'm just kind of a goofball out here doing I don't know what I'm doing. Um, you know, writing about stuff when I get a chance. Yeah, but you're our goofball, people, okay? You're so. our goofball. That's I, why we love you. <laughs> Thank you very much. So I'm not really reliant on Twitter to help me promote myself because um, I'm not really doing. You know, I'm not really doing anything other than just here and there. I'm and, and I'm not making a living off of it. But if I was, I would sue Twitter. Because there I'd are, be they're shutting people down. Yeah, they're taking our opportunity away for us to promote ourselves. Now we have other for, we have other platforms, but I kind of like Twitter. If I, I sometimes I think about suing Twitter just for the sake of it, because they're messing with me. Um, but I, I, I don't really have any damages right now. So <laughs> I like the look of it. Uh, they recently changed their format just a little bit, which I thought sucked. Uh, but I, I kind of like this structure. I like the way it's comprised. Uh, they were threatening at one time to go over 140 characters, and as far as I know, they still haven't done that. I would love to be absolutely enthralled with Gab, but unfortunately, I find it clunky. Right. But, but I have to tell you, Carrie, tonight you have really opened my eyes in terms of Twitter and what it's been doing, and specifically now, I had no idea that it was doing this to me. You know, I hate to use the word victim, you know, because I'm, I may as well have a, a big old V on my forehead carved right. in, you know. like but you are, actually. Like, like the right. Manson you girls, you know, I, I could carve a, a, a big Nazi cross on my forehead and, and be a Manson follower, but... 
but they're screwing with me. Well, it's not just me. It's probably hundreds of thousands of people like me. Probably hundreds of thousands of people. They have written algorithms to shut us down so that we cannot use that platform for our, like, you know, we're talking about the story, um, social media, the power of social media. And I don't know. I mean, sometimes I hang in here because I think, yeah, you know, Twitter is going to come around and they're going to stop this obsession with trying to shut down um, Donald Trump. They're going to stop being progressive socialists and progressive communists, and they're going to see that this just makes sense. Because Twitter is, I believe, if we look at their um, their polls, I mean, their numbers are going down. They're losing membership. Yes, that cannot, they are. That's going to yes, cost them. Are. And it's... that's part of the reason why is they're chasing people off. So eventually, I would think they're going to come, when it comes down to their bottom line, if they're not getting paid by some big corporation, and I think that that's the root of all of our problems is George Soros and his money machine and his organizations and the people that in those organizations who offer, you know, like Twitter, I, I have to believe that they're making money somehow to shut us down. Uh, so. You mentioned you mentioned an interesting aspect. Twitter has been having problems recently. Their stock has been going down. They're fi- trying to figure mm-hmm. out, their CEO is trying to figure out how they're going to try to monetize it more accurately, how they're going to make more ads. And I think that's because of what they're doing and people are just tired of the bullshit and they're leaving. And when you have people leaving a social platform, because as we all know, millennials and Gen Zers are about as fickle as anything on the planet and they'll jump ship in a heartbeat. I suspect you're starting... Millennials are not on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So... Okay, then that begs another question because it just popped into my wheelhouse yep. right now. Okay, instead of Twitter, then what are millennials? Uh, uh, how are they communicating with each other? They're on Instagram and um, they're on Snapchat and Instagram. Instagram, I think, was if I looked at, I was I was doing some work for a campaign, and I found that at the time, which was probably just within the last six months. Um, Instagram was the fastest growing platform now, but that has six months in the life of technology today is like, you know, maybe it's a, it could be a dinosaur. Oh yeah. Now Twitter, Twitter is really Twitter. Facebook is completely passe with the younger people. Um, but in Twitter's going that way and they're stupid if they allow it to happen for some sort of political, you know, communist ideology they're a bunch of dummies because they could be making so much money off of twitter um but so instagram is the place is the new hip place or was anyway christ you know what that says about me that says terrible things about me i just got on facebook and for (laughs) christ's sake i can't even make facebook run adequately right now good god well, you know, because we're all in the same boat if we're over probably, like, if we're over 40. Which is, oh, I, all, <laughs> I'm over 40. You know, we're all over, we're in the over 40 social media. Um, the young kids, <sighs> but all those young kids are going to be over 40 someday, too. 
so um, yeah, then we'll, yes, then they'll get they laughed will. at. Boy, will they ever. So, it's just when I tell my son, hey, you know, I need you to teach me these things. And he says, no, figure it out yourself. And I say, I didn't tell you to figure out for yourself how to use a spoon. <laughs> Come over here and tell me now how these things work. <laughs> that's a great analogy. I like that. That's that's a great thing to throw back in the face of a kid. Hey, listen, dummy. Who told you? Who taught you how to work? Uh, who taught you how to ride a bicycle? Who taught you uh, how to 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 poop in a toilet? All right, instead of on the carpet. And that's why your girlfriend I mean, doesn't hate you because you, you poop in a toilet. Yeah, because because you don't poop in the carpet and your girlfriend, you know, that's one thing that might stand out with a girlfriend and so she should be rushing over to me and saying, "Hello, thanks Carrie. I really want to tell you thanks for your your son not shiting on the carpet. I really appreciate the fact that you right. you told him to do it right in the ceramic bowl." <laughs> we got about a we got over about here and tell me this social media stuff and what's going on. Where is all the cool stuff happening? So, uh, <laughs> social media. But I think, you know, it, it's good to have a good good laugh about it. And if it's not important, then we're not, we're not making our living off of it. No, that's but true. If you can't laugh. I'd love to see someone sue Twitter, sue the pants off of those guys for what they're doing. Hmm? Well, you know, it's like I say, if you, if you can't laugh uh, at something every once in a while, then it, it's not worth doing. And in my case, if you can't laugh at me, then there's something wrong with you. Because I am the perfect butt of any number of jokes. We have three minutes left. And we're talking to oh, Carrie Baxter Donovan. Hello. We're talking to yes. Carrie Baxter Donovan, who is the East Coast political goddess. And uh, I'm sorry I interrupted you. You were going to say something. Oh no! I was just—I was just thinking. I, I could just talk to you all night. So I was thinking. Oh no! I have so many things to say in three minutes. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, all right then. Let me throw this out to you. A lot of shite has occurred this past week with regard to the Oval Office and communications and spokespersons yeah. and communications yeah. directors. Um, let's see. Like I say, you got about two minutes. Take that topic and run with it. Well, um, I think that any time that you're analyzing President Trump, you should always know that he's not going to do things the way that we expect it to be done. So <laughs> I don't know that there's a problem. I don't know that it wasn't planned this way, but the, the mooch, I think, might be a little bit of a surprise, although... I'm not sure what his job was other than to get rid of two establishment, right, two establishment uh, players. But I wonder if, he, was that his entire purpose, was be there for 10 days, get rid of two establishment types of people, especially rents, really rents. Okay, we had to get rid of him. Um, okay, so who was the other? Spicer. Okay, so you think his job was to get rid of Reince Priebus, who I hated in the first place because he was never with Trump. Yeah. And why he got appointed, I, I'll never know. Sean Spicer, eh, I kind of like Spicy, but uh, you seem to think that they both needed to go then. I like Spicer, but I don't think Spicer was aggressive enough. I think that the, when I say establishment, I mean kind of unwilling to really shake things up. And I think that he might have... I think that he might have gotten his feelings hurt with that Saturday Night Live skit 
and and kind of uh, scaled back a little bit from dealing with the media the way they they need to they need to have their chuckleheads knocked together sometimes. And I think he was being too soft. Um, one final nice question. I like him. Mm-hmm. One final question. Then we got to go. I uh, we were talking to Carrie Baxter Donovan, the East Coast political goddess, and the final question for this for you is this, Madame. What are your thoughts on John Kelly? And can he get the job done? Oh, well, I always love when you when there's a veteran. Other than John McCain, most veterans are going to get the job done. This guy is fascinating to me. I think he's going to get the job done. I'm so impressed with him. To find out that he has lost his son, you know, in service yes. to the country, and he shows up every day. I mean, this he's got to be so dedicated um, clear thinking, and President Trump really seems to trust him. So, um, yes, I think he's going to get the job done and do a great job. Great. Folks, that's the end of the show. We've had Kerry Baxter Donovan on, who is the East Coast political goddess. Kerry, thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. We are definitely going to have to have you Thanks. on again, because uh, I was... I was thinking an hour, you know, but uh, with Carrie, no, that's not going to happen because uh, you you go so many places and the things that you told us tonight were absolutely astounding to listen to, particularly the situation with the uh, veterans. So, folks, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Big hugs, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I had a great time tonight, and I hope you did too. A great interview with Dan Butcher, a great interview with Carrie Baxter Donovan, to the point where I'm not even going to do my regular outro except to say one thing that I'm sure you can make book on, and that's when I leave and lock up the SHR studios. When I go, I'm going straight home, and then I'm going to definitely be consulting with my Casey 135 Cattle One refueling team, who will keep me going for the rest of the night because I've got some posts to make, and I've got some tweets to make, although apparently they're not going to be seen by anyone whatsoever. (laughs) Whoever saw that coming? Certainly not me. So thank you, thank you folks for being in chat. Thanks for listening live. Thanks for listening via the podcast. All I have to say is God bless, take care, be safe. Come back Thursday night. More buttery goodness guaranteed. Everybody quiet down now and get some sleep. Good night, everybody. Good night, Mama. Good night, Ben. Good night, everyone. Good night, Mama. Good night, Daddy. Good night, children. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Elizabeth. Good night, John Boy. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. What's going on? I was asleep. What's everybody doing? Good night, Good night, Jim Bob. Bob. <laughs> <laughs>
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.